Hello listener, Matt here. Support Ben, read his ramblings, or find further notes on this show at securitized.com, spelled S-E-C-U-R-I-T-Y-Z-E-D.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. I'm Matt Snotty. I'm Rafael Fiedler. And I'm Joey Police. And fellas, I think this is a good week to update everyone on current progress. <laughs> uh, I, love, I love the what? intro jokes, Ben. Yeah. They never get old. Yeah? Oh, yeah. What could you okay. be referring right. to? So, yeah, Joey, why do you think that that's a joke? What 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 is the context that the audience is missing? Keyword updates. Oh. Um, so I think that that might comprise a lot of the bulk of the uh, discussion today, and I think it was prompted by an image that I sent right to the group. <laughs> Can you describe it? I know this is not a visual medium, so, but yes, the, it was. <clears throat> I had to take a screenshot of this and I put a big, I drew a big arrow to the date because I had a customer telling me that their server was a little slow and wonky, uh, who I hadn't, you know, it was a brand new customer. And so in my, in my first inspection in the windows updates, I looked and the last update on this server was 2016, September of 2016. And, and I just, like, had, yeah. It was like 33 minutes after the install of the original OS, right? Was the last that, update? That is correct. So yeah. it was a set it, forget it, and turn off the monitor and walk away. And <laughs> I, I just had to laugh. Matt, Matt sees it all the time or, or has seen it a lot more than I have, but that was the that was probably the oldest one that I've seen with neglect. Now, now to the credit of the person who originally installed that server six years ago, it ran for six years and didn't need True. an update. True. <laughs> so, so they did do something right. Go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. Well, that, le that, that leads me to, to, to say, you know, there, there's a whole uh, subset of, of IT guys that hate updates because it breaks stuff. And that yes. was what I was going to lead that discussion to. But yeah, you, you go ahead, Ben. <laughs> no, no, you, you already knew I was going to come with the contrarian. But, but before I do that, before I rain on everyone's parade, I think it's worth stating, again, this may be IT 101 and a little basic for some of our audience, but what is the purpose of updates and patches? And I don't think we need to distinguish between those two terms, but what's, what's the reason you should modify your system on a regular basis uh, who wants to take that one uh the first word that comes to my mind is vulnerabilities okay is they're patching for vulnerabilities they're finding holes they're finding loopholes somewhere in the operating system uh or the firmware to to make it either safer more secure or run better yeah that's Excellent. what i was going to add was reliability that was the that was the main reason back in the day for getting updates was was always reliability and compatibility it, it was much less to do with security, but then Windows Update, in particular, we're talking about Windows Update, but also, obviously, uh, the Mac OS has its own update service. The Linux has its own update service. Every operate, every modern operating system has some way to update itself through patches or some kind of online uh, service of, of that sort. But but back in the good old days when Joey and I started, uh, and Ben, you too, I'm sure as well, 
uh, patches were pretty rare and few and far between because it was just something that you either didn't have the internet for and so you didn't need the security stuff or it was because you needed some sort of compatibility. Some new piece of hardware came out, some new piece of software came out, and it needed to be compatible with that. And so that's the main reason that uh, uh, patching became a, a word in our lexicon uh, as IT professionals. Yeah, and when I teach this, I, I talk about the two large reasons, proactive and reactive, where proactive is usually a performance enhancer or, or an extra functionality, and reactive is usually a newly discovered vulnerability or set of vulnerabilities. Um, yeah. And yeah, and, and I love what you just said. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Rafti and a trip to the past with us, um, <laughs> as we often do. Rafti, if... we love, we love your youth. <laughs> and and energy but um we we often have to reminisce and we're sorry that that you weren't there at the time how's that all all is well but if i may just interject here just because like um this is the new perspective to it and i just wanted to add i think windows 7 last year got an update even though it's out of like if you are listening to this and you're not on still on windows 7 there are updates for you even though microsoft is not officially supporting it anymore sometimes it, and it happened you keep okay. stealing my good shit. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm not. I was going to roll that out like, towards the end of the episode because I okay. still, I still have a, a laptop I use for older games um, that I that I run seven on, and at at one point on my screen there was a reminder that said you are out of service. Do you want to update to ten? Because it still says ten instead of eleven, and at the same time it said updates are available. Would you like to? update and and they both you know those are paradoxical statements so yes i i found that very very funny of course a couple of years ago for the wanna cry windows xp vulnerability microsoft had an, an hot fix for this as well so if it's big enough and if it affects enough people badly enough microsoft will issue an update for operating systems which they say they don't support anymore so this was just a okay. thing i wanted to add in here now we're going to sidetrack again. What's the reason for the XP updates? Why are there so many people still using XP? Oh, this I, would, I don't know. I would say I that, do. and Matt, you probably have this as well, legacy applications, legacy yeah. uh, systems. And, and I was going to say embedded systems, in particular there you in, go. in Matt, the industrial community. community. Um, yeah, you, you install something, and it sits on a wall or sits behind a panel, and it runs for decades. And so it's got whatever OS it originally had on it. It's not ICSs so much as POSs. It's point of sale systems. That's um, it, yeah. The majority of point of sale systems in the world still run XP um, because there's no reason up. The, why would you update it? What other functionality are you going to add to a credit card swiper or, or a uh, you know a, a cash register? Um, so uh, so yes, uh, there was a, a a need in the market for that hotfix. That was that was a big deal. Um, but okay, wow, that was all sidetracks. I wanted to jump on what Matt was saying, though. Uh, I, you know, you, you were saying not everybody had the internet to do patches and stuff. I remember, and this is where I want to take Rafti back with us. <laughs> Come with us to the past, Rafti. I remember AOL sending the new version of their package through the mail as a new CD. And you know, seven point oh. two, eight point one, and you would you would install it manually. 
Joey, you you were yeah. No, that brings back such fond memories of just AOL <laughs> in itself of hearing hearing those lovely words. You've got mail, um, uh, Matt. I'm wondering, do you have one of those as a souvenir somewhere in your archive of Smithsonian uh, <laughs> technology? Yes, I remember that, Ben. Yeah, I've got folders and folders of CD sleeves of software and, and floppy disks for that matter, going back to the early nineties. Um, I can't answer as to AOL in particular, but I know that I could probably run about any version of any game. <laughs> it goes back into the nineties. Um, Cause recently I found, I, I think I sent uh, the picture around. Uh, I found my old windows 3.1 and DOS yes. 5.0 installed as DOS 5.0 came on three floppy disks and Ben's holding <laughs> up uh, his windows XP uh, uh, OEM license <laughs> and his AOL unlimited dial up. Wow. When's the last time you used a modem, Ben? 995 <laughs> for unlimited dial up still in the sleeves. Pa factory oh, sealed packaging. <laughs> Will you burn a copy of that Ben and mail it to me? Cause I just, I just want a copy of that. You know what I'll do is I'll send you one of these sleeves. Cause you sent, <laughs> you sent me booze one time. So I think that's only fair. Uh, it says, <laughs> it says was... five gigabits of online storage. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh. Oh, and oh, yeah. All right. So we're, we're going to get way sidetracked if we go down this rabbit hole of AOL sorry, sorry, internet. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I can remember the days when you would get a, a patch for, say, a game, and it would come on a floppy disk. You would mail off for it, uh, you know, say it's, uh, you know, Lemmings or, or you know, Mario wouldn't have been, you know, because that's on Atari, but a PC game. Um, and of course, back that's, that was also big back in the days of shareware. So you had, you know, the dooms and the quakes of the world and stuff like that. But uh, manufacturers would, would, would make it available on the internet. But of course, if it was a large patch and you were on dial-up, it would take forever to get it. So you could just send off and get the patch on a CD or on a floppy disk or something, and you would install it, and that would patch or update your system. You could buy them in computer stores. At oh, yeah. yeah. World or CompUSA, they had the patches in sleeves hanging on the right. You could buy the updates. It was the... Yep. The strangest distribution model, but it made more <laughs> sense, you know. I mean, go ahead now, Rocky. Well, go ahead. And just, just to make this clear, I was online in the '90s as well, and so, <laughs> of course, I was not doing all of that stuff that was my parents back in the days. But I do remember getting like software updates on CDs, and sometimes even on like computer magazines, like mm -hmm. um, oh yeah, that, that they would be sealed in like plastic with the magazine. Or, yeah. There'd be like a demo disc of shareware and stuff like that. And then it would have whatever patches for Windows or DOS that you might want. Driver updates. I remember, you know, autoexec.bat and, and uh, uh, config.sys and all that stuff. You could buy a, a, a disc with utilities on it. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so, so as professionals, I think we all agree that the professional approach is maintain your patches and updates on your production systems because failing to do so is a lack of due diligence you're demonstrating negligence in not doing so because an unpatched system will have both performance issues compatibility issues with other modern systems and potentially security vulnerabilities is that is that fair to say oh yeah, yeah i'd say that's fair okay but i i would like to to bring bring to light how far updates and patches have come. And if we look at, let's look at just a workstation, not even in a server environment. Um, I think Dell, uh, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, Dell really pioneered with the command update on 
bringing in patches and updates, firmware, everything with the click of a button to where yep. it goes ahead and it says, okay, not only are we going to look at your service tag and your hardware, we know exactly the model. We know exactly what you're working with and click next and you click next. And then it's like, here's all the critical updates. Do you want to yep. install them one by one or all? And then we're going to reboot it for you. And for the longest time, other manufacturers didn't have this. And it's only, I'd say within the past maybe five, six years, Matt, am I right? Where companies like Lenovo, HP uh, are now coming on board with their, their onboard utility to update the systems. Um, yep. and, and again, these are, these are not in the server environment, only the residential and, and work, uh, workstation environments. Yeah, and, and to, to tack onto that, and as we sit here in 2022, Dell and HP and Lenovo now integrate all those updates into the Windows update system. So yep. you can get those exact same updates through a, through one less click, but you just go through uh, the Windows update service. You can get your your BIOS and your firmwares and uh, your drivers and all that kind of stuff. Much to the chagrin of my clients that have things like BitLocker on their laptops, <laughs> where it goes to do a BIOS update and the BitLocker uh, causes it to to fail and it goes into a safe state. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so let me ask though, how do you feel? about mandatory updates how do you feel about automatic and automated updates Ooh, now you're getting into some some uh, fuzzy territory there matt you know again matt and i work daily together on projects and with with multiple clients and when you get into systems that have like let's say an, an rmm tool a remote monitoring and management tool right i'm not going to name anything but we're all familiar with them and they go out and they say hey your environment has 157 patches on all of these systems that need to go. Do you want, you know, do you want to automatically do it or, or do you want to manually do it? Um, I've, I have yet to see a system that does it properly. And, and I've worked with, <laughs> I've worked with a lot of good systems. Yeah. Yeah. They always have some, they're always lacking in some uh, way, but I think that the overarching thing to get to Ben's point is, uh, it, it, is it good to do, you know, uh, uh, these, these mandatory updates and I would say as a overstressed and overworked IT guy in general, yeah, they're great because uh, it's, it reduces my workload rather than having to worry about each individual computer. I can just you know click a couple of buttons and push out the same update to 100 or, or 1,000 computers and not have to worry about them again. Now, does that cause problems? Yep. Uh, things break. <laughs> again, back to the first sentiment that I expressed. Yeah, stuff breaks, stuff doesn't install right, users complain, they get rebooted in the middle of the day or weird stuff like that happens. Um, but yeah, I think that mandatory updates uh, released by manufacturers are in general good. Um, I agree. The, the, the pros, the, 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 there are certainly cons, but the pros outweigh the cons. Yeah, I chime in here. <clears throat> Because our software, the Portmaster, uh, does automatic updates by default, and it's fairly hard to disable it. So we push our updates to our users like we want. I mean, we we do have release channels. We test um, a couple hundred users test our beta releases before they go out, and they are typically very durable when it comes to issues, but we push this. And the reason for it, and in general updates in general, we, we encourage people to update, of course, from a security perspective, but also from, from a troubleshooting perspective, we cannot recreate a specific Windows version if it's not the, the latest one. We can only update it to the latest one, and it's very hard to go in and then 
patch for a certain situation and we just like update it to the latest one, we do the same. And then we try if we can recreate the issue that you have on your end, and then we can help you in some sort of way. So from a, from a troubleshooting perspective and in building software yourself, it also is very important that everything is updated because this is the only or the most practical way to recreate an issue. And um, yep. the reason why we're doing auto updates um, because we break stuff and we want to fix it fast and without them <laughs> having to know that they should update it. Contrarian viewpoint number one. <laughs> Here we I go. I fucking hate automatic updates. I am a control freak, and I don't want anyone messing with my system, no matter how well-intentioned they are, and no matter how smarter, how much smarter they may be than me. Um, every few months, I talk about that Windows 7 box that I was using. Uh, every few months... Windows Update reinstalls the Azure Trust Center add-in to all of my office uh, utilities on that machine. And of course, those office utilities don't really work well with the Azure Trust System. And, and every time I try to open Microsoft Word, for instance, it gives me three pop-ups that I have to click, uh, I have to X out every single time. So I always have to go back into the Trust Center of, the, of each program and remove that add-in. Uh, it serves no purpose. It, it, I'm never going to use any of those those services. Um, it's just annoying, and there is no way to turn it off. Uh, and luckily, I'm sophisticated I'm, enough to know how to take it out of the trust center. But um, I'm actually surprised, Ben. That I'm actually surprised you use Microsoft Office and not Open Office. I, I figured you for an Open Office guy, not a not a O365 guy. That's right. As as Please. much of my libertarian tendencies would switch me to something like Linux or other free alternatives, my free market tendencies uh, steer me towards purchasing something. And so, mm. you know, when money is exchanged, I have a a higher degree of certainty that it'll somewhat work. And yeah. Rafi, I love your comment. Yes. You, it sounds like Portmaster would solve this issue, but Portmaster then is still updating itself. And you just said it's hard for me to turn off that that function. Yeah, but I can, of course, give you a little guide afterwards if you want. Um, also, if you're, I know the owner anybody, of the company. Yeah. If, if anybody is is um, still using OpenOffice, not to to dunk on you, Joey, but like LibreOffice is so much better. I hate um, OpenOffice. I, I use LibreOffice more now that. I have seen a guide on how to modify it to look more like Windows and to properly open docx files. And I have, just in case, Microsoft Office installed as well. Um, but on new devices, like on all devices, I have it still installed and I still pay the Microsoft 365 subscription. But um, on new devices, I usually just go with uh, either LibreOffice or OnlyOffice, both great open source alternatives. Um, which open docx files very well if you configure them correctly. But for you, Ben, if you want to stall and go, maybe only Office is the better way because LibreOffice you need to configure a bit. And the problem is with with so. formatting and some of the stuff I have to do for publishing. I I need Word only because I know how to use Word, and I don't I don't have the time or inclination to go learn how to make something else work like Word. Yeah, um, and I I so understand, and I I just for for everybody out there, this is so much the case. Like people who use this professionally, Word is not a, a it's a text formatting like software. And every time I open a Word document from somebody who who does not understand this, I hate this Word document the the minute I open it. So, I but it sounds like Microsoft you, you Word is terrible. 
Microsoft. I just want to go on the record. I, I can't stand Microsoft Word. I'm just going to say that. Uh, so, as well. So Joey wants to take you on the on the trip to the past and go to Bank Street Writer again. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, so other issues about patching. Um, as much as I like the fact that the vendors are pushing reactive patches to address newly discovered vulnerabilities, there's an issue there. And the issue is not all environments are the same. And when you don't have a homogenous population, some of the customers, that is us, the users, are going to get interference with the latest patch. The patch is going to screw something up on our systems. And the vendor's not interested in us as individuals. The, the vendor's interested in reducing their own liability by saying they pushed the patch and by giving sort of a herd immunity by blanket inoculating everybody's machine all at once. Um, the issue there that I have is uh, we know that the earliest patch is gonna break stuff. The later patch will be better. <laughs> so the question is, if you don't do it, you still got the vulnerability. But if you do do it, you may have the interoperability problem. What do you think, right. as experts, what do you think the timing should be on uh, from time of release of new patch to applying the patch? What do y'all think? I think personally, it's uh, I always take the attitude of I, I never want to be the early adopter. I always want to be somewhere in the fat part of the bell curve. I don't want to be the last person to install the patch, but I don't want to be the first person either. <laughs> but the reason for that is, uh, and, and we study this in, in InfoSec as the defense in depth. So if you do have a, a, a true vulnerability, you should already have other mitigations in place. If this is a true security vulnerability, you should, you should hopefully have things like firewalls in place, antivirus in place. Uh, things like that. ELP. Yeah. So, so a true vulnerability in a, in an individual application or an individual operating system shouldn't be a game changer. Shouldn't be. Uh, it shouldn't be uh, a huge issue. Um, and and hopefully, if, if you have all the other pieces of your uh, security plan in place, this isn't a big deal. If you wait a few days, a few weeks, a few months, so that you're not that early adopter to it. Uh, but that being said, there are things that are called zero days where you have no notice and you've just got to install this update because you might be actively attacked while this uh, update is being released because the manufacturer, the vendor had no notice that this was going to happen. And you've got to install it as quickly as possible. And whatever the consequences are, oh, well, that, we just have to roll with it because we got to get this thing fixed. Or you may but, have already been penetrated. It's right, a, it right. was a zero day that pre-existed discovery. I mean, that's, you know, the whole right, point. So, right, yeah, right. yeah. So there, are, there's a case to be made for doing it early, but I think that in general, those are those are edge cases. Those are those are, are few and far between. Um, the vast majority, you can wait uh, a little bit of time, let all the issues get worked out, let other people be the the, the guinea pigs and see what the the problems are before you do it. Crash test dummies. Yep. And yeah, of course, rocky. if you have multiple devices, um, this is at least how I do it. I do it on the least critical first. So if I need sure. to get it out, I still like if you. <clears throat> If you're in an environment where you are thinking about um, like keeping all everything running and keeping um, like if you're in an environment where you can be attacked, you usually have more devices, and then you can test it on a non-critical machine first. And so, of course, yep. like that's, yeah. a, that's a good best practice. Um, sure. I, I gotta ask Matt in your contracts with your clients, 
are you given the latitude to use your own discretion on when to apply patches, you know, days, months, weeks, whatever you determine oh. is a best choice? Yeah, yeah. The discretion for for uh, patching and updating is always always falls on me. So yeah, yeah. And in general, um, I already have a lot of automated tools. Any any client that signs up with my company, um, the automated tools, I just basically go to a dashboard, and whatever selection that I make applies to all my clients across the board. So um, yeah, an update will will generally uh, be allowed to uh, wait for a couple of weeks or or, or however long I, I decide. But yeah, that's all that, that that's all on me. I, I assume all that liability as an outside consultant or a contractor, but I also have a breadth of experience to know that in general, I, I have a pretty good idea of whether something's going to work or not. And my discretion is, is always the, the last, uh, the buck stops with me. Sidetrack, do you carry a, an errors and emissions insurance policy? Yes, of course. <laughs> Joey and I both okay. carry <laughs> lots of liability insurance. <laughs> Never had to use it in twenty some years, but uh, good. yeah, I still pay, good. still pay that. That's, That's uh, part of your defense in depth, <laughs> right? Right. It, no, seriously, it's it's a it's yep. a good administrative control. I, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, if I if I make a mistake as your if 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 your company hires me to be their admin and I make a mistake that results in the loss of data or or something like that on your company, yeah, I've I need to be held accountable for that. Uh, so yeah, the insurance is a part of that. Okay, quiz time. And I don't know, Joey maybe in and oh there, Joey's back. <clears throat> yeah, quiz here. time. I'm looking for a single word. Before you apply the patch, you should always. Oh, I know this. Joey, yeah. do you know? Oh, I, I know it. I'm waiting to see if Matt knows it. Okay. <laughs> so so then I just uh, I back, <laughs> up. Ahead, I back up. Back up. Back yeah. up. Back or up. Do a snap if you're on the server, do a snapshot. That's faster. Yes, but yeah. but isn't there isn't there a part of anyone that just wants to ready fire aim and <laughs> just push the button and nuke it? You know, <laughs> how bad could it be? How, how badly could this screw my system up? It can't be that bad, right? <laughs> Cases like this, of course, on Linux, you can have something implemented like PTRFS, where you can just roll back each file individually. And it is rolling like snapshots as you go. So we, we Matt, there's, I'm going to tell a quick, funny story with a, with a lot of anonymity here. I was on the phone with Matt and I had a client that was not in this state. And we had to run an update and bounce the server, as we call it, reboot the server. And it was one of those patches where you're like, is it going to come back up? Because <laughs> if you do this, oh yeah, yeah, I'm getting in the car and I have yep. to now drive quite a distance. Yeah. Uh, and I remember I sent Matt a text that he sent me the best emoji that was uh, Emperor Palpatine just saying the words, do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. That's the unfortunate reality of, uh, yeah, regular patching and stuff like that. Sometimes especially working remotely as Joey and I do a lot with our clients. Uh, we're not, you know, even in the same city or even the same state. And sometimes we apply a patch or an update that is a serious one that's going to result in downtime of that server. And it's always that sweating bullets waiting game while you're watching from your desktop, the server's four hours away it's and terrible. you're waiting for it to start pinging back. Please come back on, please come back on, please don't mess up. Please don't mess you, up. You, you are praying. You are praying. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> there are no atheists in foxholes, and there are no atheists that are doing regular in patterns. a server room. Yeah. <laughs> of course, this also applies for the home. Like, if you do a backup at home, like do, uh, do if you do an update at home, if it's a big one, uh, backup and uh, one update even killed me some peripherals, like some Windows update. It temporarily um, overloaded some USB ports. And so if you do something like that, maybe disconnect USB devices as well. Yep. So good advice. Really good yeah. advice. It was a very expensive microphone. So I still remember it a couple of years later where I'm like, <laughs> next time I unplug my, my at least the, the expensive stuff. <laughs> you, you miss that microphone, don't you? You have an emotional attachment to the nostalgia of that microphone. Uh, <laughs> Somehow, yeah. I did an update one time that took out my monitor and, and I, <laughs> yeah. And, and I was a, a eventually able, you know, to connect to another device and, and kind of uh, work in that way sideways, but, um, and then turn the monitor back on. But <laughs> it was just, it was weird because it's like flying IFR or, you know, braille. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, to your point, though, uh, about the backups, one of the good things that I will say that Microsoft and their infinite wisdom has done for quite a while, major system updates do do a, um, a, a automatic restore, restore point. point. Yeah, yeah. A restore point before they do the update. I, I got to ask, because, again, my my familiarity is not nearly as deep as yours. Have you do restore points work? I have never gotten one to work properly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they do work. Yes. Okay. Yeah, back in the day of like Windows XP, yeah, it was very hit or miss. But over the years, especially now as we sit with Windows 10 and Windows 11 being the modern incarnation of of Windows, yeah, they do work very well. And I have I, I probably at least once a year over the last 20 years have have had to resort to a restore point to get a machine back after something had happened to it. But yes, they do actually work and are effective. So, um of course, best practice is always do your own backups to external device to some sort of cloud storage, something like that. But Windows does have your back at least a little bit in getting your system back up and going. Um, 90, probably 5% of the time, the restore point will work if you do have to revert uh, from, an, from a failed update or patch of some sort. Um, okay, let me ask you another. Uh, no. no, actually, that's not a patch question. That's another troubleshooting question. I will, I will ask that one <laughs> in a future show. Sorry, I'm just getting free tech support from Matt. <laughs> Maybe then um, in regards to backups, a, a quick tip, which I don't know if that many people have heard of, um, is that something like Time Machine is now built into Windows as well. You can have a remote um, network attached storage, um, so sort of remote, and do automatic backups of um, mm -hmm. folders and stuff. So um, if you don't use this yet, uh, this would, I think, be the best option to do local backups. Of course, cloud well, is still an, an important For a privacy system. maven to be suggesting giving my data to Microsoft on a oh, it's local basis. <laughs> it's local. I thought you said remotely. No, no, yeah, remote, but on a network attached storage, remote, like not not plugged in. It's not remote. Not, not, it's not, on, it's not um, on the cloud. local machine, but it would be on another machine within your network. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. exactly. Are you okay. are you talking about shadow copies, Rafi, or what are you talking about? No, no, no. I I think I just I figured this out. I uh, recently had on Windows 11 backups and oh, I know this. what you're talking about. Yes, yes, yes. The, the 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 backup replacement for the old backup that was included with Windows. I think I know what you're talking about. Yes, and I think it does it automatically now, as far as I can tell. I, I yeah. You, you now like know that I don't use it. 
I back up stuff to two different of my own hosted cloud stuff. So I have yeah. two servers running uh, in separate locations. Um, and yeah. so all my important parts are already out <laughs> of my house, but yeah. in my controls still. So, but yeah, it's funny you, you said the cloud though. So now you're backing up to somebody else's <laughs> device. No, 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 no. Oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> it's, it, it is Don't my device. Don't let him pin you in, Rafi. All, right, all, right, all, right, all, right, all right, He's trying to be no, incorrigible I'm, I'm again. Just I'm, 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 I'm. <laughs> you can uh, do it to, to local or remote storage. Okay. You have, okay. You have so control over it. You can, you can point it at a SAN or a NAS. Yeah, and any, yeah any storage yeah. you want. Yes, yes. Okay. Okay. But, but yeah, cool. uh, Max Time Machine. It's funny you brought that up because that is a phenomenal backup. I'm I'm not a Mac yeah. user. Uh, I'm not a power user of a Mac. I, I can barely navigate a, a Mac, but I have worked with the Time Machine on Mac, and I love it. And I wish that Windows made theirs as seamless and as user friendly as Mac did for theirs because they they integrated the whole Time Machine thing. If you bought like a an Apple router, I think it was, it automatically included storage, so you could do Time Machine backups to to your own uh, uh, router and stuff like that. Oh my gosh, it was so slick and so nice. Now, the flip side of that is when someone replaces their router, it's got all your backups on it, and people would just toss those in the in the trash. Now, that's a security issue, but that's a whole <laughs> other security issue of throwing away of hard drives and storage inadvertently uh, so that a, a dumpster diver could possibly get it from you. Okay, I don't so know we've, how this was in turned, the past. We've huh? turned right. the patch episode into a backup episode. Yeah. It, it sort of is, but just to chime in here, I think that Macs by default encrypt the hard drive. So, they but they're but time machine ones. backups are not by default encrypted. Okay. Or, or at least the ones that I've worked with. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to the forensics guy. Um, all right. Uh, back, back to patches, kind of, sort of. Yeah. Um, uh, I, ha I had another question about, oh, is there a particular tool? I know you said, and Joey mentioned this, the, the uh, uh, RMM solutions. I've heard some students that really like some of their automatic updates, especially the ones designed for the cloud. Are there any tools that you particularly do like for this purpose? Any vendors you want to mention? The one that Joey and I use, I don't know, do, do we want to shout them out? <laughs> <laughs> They've been pretty good to us. Um, we use a piece of software called Atera that we that we license, and Joey and I share uh, uh, logins for it. But it, it allows us to do all that patch management, in addition to a whole host of other things. The, the, the patch management is actually one of the lowest things on the rungs of uh, all the tools. But but Atera, A T E R A, is the one that we use. But it's important to also note that for an average user, not some uh, you know organization that's hiring a, a, an outside IT consultant, Windows does it all of its own updating on its own schedule, really well. It, you, you don't have to even intervene. It's turned on automatically. Yeah. It watches your um, uh, uh, usage patterns. So it looks for when it's going to be idle. It's, it automatically schedules updates for downtime and stuff like that. So uh, the, the built-in Windows update by itself is fine. Um, but if you're in an organization where you want to make sure that everyone, like Ben was saying, you want everybody on the same version, like Rafti, you want everybody to be on a, on a known version and not have any outliers out there. Yeah, you have to use some sort of an, an automatic thing. Windows for a long time uh, had a piece of software that was free that came with Windows Server called Windows Software Update Services, WSUS. Um, 
it worked if for 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 very liberal definitions of work um it was it was it was buggy uh it was it, it caused a lot of problems i've never had an installation of wsus that i kept around for more than about two years because i just got so tired of it just failing all the time there are third-party versions that do the identical things and like uh we were saying that that atera software is like a a, a, a version of that but it's on steroids it's all cloud-based and it makes it so nice and easy yeah and and they're getting better uh year after year i've used I have used so many RMM tools from uh, NCentral, which was SolarWinds, uh, to ConnectWise, to Ninja, to Pulseway. I've used probably a dozen different RMM agents, and they all primarily do the same thing with, with very similar technology aspects. Um, you, you're going to run into issues, though, with any of these tools where it deploys all of the agents, it deploys all the updates and patches, then you get a, an email back that says, hey, success on 150 machines, uh, 23 failed. And you're going to find that those 23, like Matt was saying, they are bit lockered. So guess what? They're not going to get that, that. And you now have to manually go in and, and adjust. So there's no perfect solution. It really just whatever fits for your model. And, and that's not a failure of the tool. Uh, no, that's no. That's just a that's just a process blip. That's the that's the way it works. Um, the ones my students always talk about, especially for cloud version control, is Puppet, Chef, and Ansible. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and they all they all like them. They all say they're good. Um, uh, Ansible isn't that one more of like a developer's update thing? I think so. I think yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. Also for 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 version control in development. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and speak uh, up to updates for for not only hardware and firmware um, uh, for software as well as Rofty's is well familiar. So one of the software applications which has come leaps and bounds in in my world of, of the only development that I do is in WordPress, and WordPress has just become so amazingly easy to update. Um, and and I know you guys are laughing right now. And, <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. I, I love it. And but it used to there used to be a time where you would update it and it would break. It was horrible. Joey, you're a nerd's nerd. I love you, man. I do. I do. All right. I don't know so, when you say WordPress, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, security vulnerabilities. I don't know. This is just I, the first thing that comes to mind is, is is stay at home moms sharing yarn patterns. That's what I think of when I think of WordPress. Okay. All right. For all of all right. for all of my for all of my web clients, they're not speaking uh, the truth. They're. <laughs> so, so uh, in terms of things that get updated, we talk a lot about OSs getting updated. We talk about firmware, hardware to some extent, um, uh, games updating. You know, Steam, my Steam client updates every time I boot my machine. Um, yep. Now, Rafti, you pointed out a couple of things in chat. What else is getting updated? Um, if I just can chime in for games, I think this is the worst thing when it came to like stuff being able to update over the internet. It's like so much is released these days, especially when it comes to games broken on day one. And that needs some <laughs> days and weeks and sometimes months. If you had yeah, seen the Cyberpunk 2077. About initial releases of new yes. games. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and Cyberpunk I think we talked 20... about this on a previous episode where everyone's so, yeah. releasing in beta, yeah. knowing they can get pre-sales for an incomplete, uh, incomplete product, and they've designed it to be patched on the fly. And yeah. I agree with you; it's a terrible marketing and sales and distribution model. I'm, I'm completely on board with that. 
and and nowadays like it's also like what do you own like if you would have bought this on a on a dvd or something and if you put it in your in your device and if you need those patches to work like if they kill those servers for the patches you cannot play yeah. this thing that you but, bought but rafi my steam client is updating age of empires 2013 and and most of the patches have already come out and and if they <laughs> update it it's to give me something good it's more deep. <laughs> okay okay all right. all right so what are the other things that get updated though you, yeah. you you mentioned a couple of good things there are a couple of things i update um i think i start with the small ones first i update light bulbs in my home um i think we <laughs> talked about uh, iot in my home uh, in the past i do everything off network um so it's like with um zigbee its own like wireless network it's not on wi-fi because ben, i don't ben want Joey, it. would you have ever thought in 1985 that we would have ever heard the statement i am updating my light bulbs over wi-fi that's a, that's a that's a joke that's a punchline to a joke of how many engineers does it take to change the light bulb <laughs> No, it's not changing. It's updating. An update is a change in your CM uh, process. So, yes, as part of change management, it is a change. You're changing. Uh, yeah, the so, but this is exactly the thing. I'm updating my Zigbee stuff. Um, but, of course, nowadays, a lot of people are not updating their IoT devices, which creates vulnerabilities. And I had uh, a friend who had his light bulbs. I like when I looked at the network traffic, they were sending out data. They were interacting with the internet. So I think they got like a virus or got hacked. Maybe they were mining crypto on his ceiling. I don't know. Um, but there's my light bulbs, man. <laughs> yeah, now I but... just sit in the dark. <laughs> it, it, yeah, the, the lights were noticeably dimmer. Um, oh and they started flickering. Um, so yeah, no, no, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, it's coming uh, and... from inside the house. All right. So now the other thing is cars. You said cars too. I, yeah. I, I do not have a fancy, all my cars are solid state. I bought, you know, like my games, my cars are very old and run on uh DOS box. Okay. And, <laughs> and, uh, I don't have to patch my, my cars at all, but I've been seeing online a lot of discussion from Tesla nerds about how a recent update was like world changing. Like it was like buying a new car. Like the update was more significant than than having a recall of the automobile. You know what I'm talking about, Rafti? In regards to Tesla, I have no clue. No, but um, I think with iOS, I, I get this feeling every couple of years as well. Like getting a new iOS update sometimes feels like getting a new phone. Um, so yeah. I get this feeling absolutely. Um, if they change a lot and it's for the better. Uh, now you've behavior. got a fancy car. Do you get you get updates for your car? You get <laughs> it's not a Tesla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It's a Skoda. Uh it's from VW uh, subsidiary. Ah. <laughs> okay, yeah. So <laughs> you have VWs? Yeah, I know, I know. And audio. We, we, we have VWs, well. but not, but uh, yeah, we don't have the Skoda. Skoda. Yeah, yeah. They're um big in rally. So if you watch rally, mm -hmm. they're they're big there. Um, but uh, as far as I can tell, only sold in Europe. Um, yep. And they do, and so I have an EV, and it's it gets updates. Yep. Uh, and some of that... them over the air, and some of them I have to drive to the to the dealer. And uh, for one, I even got a new battery, like a new not the, the big battery, but a small battery replacement as well. 
like an auxiliary battery and and does this can you determine changes in performance after you get an update i mean have, have you <laughs> noticed like the cars like being faster now no no more like mileage you know like like uh, better ga uh, uh gas consumption petrol efficiency yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. It's an EV. So, oh, yeah. It's an but... EV. Oh, what, or charge efficiency. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, but I agree. No, no. Um, the infotainment got faster. This I can tell. The maps got better. Like the whole map system, how it's built and how search is working and stuff like that. And so most of this stuff got better. But the way it handles battery charge as well got improved over time. So, yeah. And I think Tesla's get similar updates as well where you all of a sudden have a better, as you said, mileage um, per kilowatt. Um, and sometimes you um, you get a better heat management of the car itself, which then in turn also results in better mileage. Yeah, so it heats better cool. or it's like preheating the battery faster or stuff like that only now, when now, you need it. My car is a 2016 Hellcat, which is a gas guzzler. But it does, it has had two major updates to its firmware since it got released. And the latest update um, that it gave me actually gives me a two-factor authentication option to start the car. Because <laughs> these cars are stolen at such a high rate. Um, they, they made it so that if you turn it on, I haven't turned it on because I don't have the need for it. <clears throat> um, I mean, I turned it on. Yeah, that's what I did. Um, the... Uh, <laughs> He lives in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. in, uh, yeah. um, but uh, that, that, it, it was a feature that they added to the car. To, it was an anti-theft uh, thing so that you, you, of course, have to have the key fob. You get in it, you press the brake pedal, you hit the start button, and then the car starts. With the update, if you enabled it, uh, you press the gas pedal, you hit the button, and then you have to type in a number on the keypad that's on the dashboard to be able to start the car. Otherwise, it will start, but it will restrict you to five miles an hour. <laughs> that is so fucking cool. So it's like a valet function and yeah. a way to piss off your teenage children. I am so glad this did not exist when I was 13 years old and I stole my dad's automobile. Except uh, my dad's listening to this. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so, so updates, you can sometimes unlock uh, extra functionality. So in, in my case, the updates, no, they didn't create any extra performance. The car is already a 700 horsepower beast. It's not, it doesn't need any more performance by any means, but it does sometimes give you other functionality. Like Rafi said, you know, the infotainment system is a little bit snappier, a little bit quicker or something like that but in this case it was something that i thought was really interesting and that all of a sudden my car now has the ability to have true two-factor authentication to be able to start the damn thing okay and with the light bulbs and the car infotainment and the anti-dui measure that they've added to your health <laughs> Uh, I think we pretty much uh, covered uh, updates and patches. Joey, you brought the topic. Is there anything you wanted to add or we didn't address yet? The only thing that I was hoping that Matt might brief on, I don't know if, I don't know if uh, you're able to, Matt, is uh, a Windows update that may look like something else happened. oh yeah this i have to be careful about because this is an ongoing forensic case that i'm involved in right now and so i'm under a, a confidentiality agreement but but he's gonna go ahead and tell us <laughs> <laughs> that being said 
There, uh, so in, in purely hypothetical language, uh, one of the interesting things about Windows Update uh, on a Windows 10 or a Windows 11 computer, if it's a major version update, so Windows uh, used to release two major versions every year, um, and they were called like uh, the, the the version was four digits or four four letters and numbers, and the first two numbers were always the year that it came out. And so there was like a, a 1605, there was a 1703, something like that, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, um, uh, when you install those updates, an interesting thing happens from a forensic standpoint on a computer, which is that all of the system files update their metadata so that they reflect the time and the date of the update and not when the, the system was originally installed. So what that means is you can have a computer that you bought in 20. 15, 2014, let's say, and then install the latest version of Windows 10. And it looks from a forensic standpoint like that computer has been wiped and reinstalled, which is a real conundrum <laughs> from a forensic standpoint if dates and times happen to be very critical to whatever uh, you're investigating. That is fucking wild. Let me ask you, Matt, <laughs> theoretically, theoretically, <laughs> if I was to install an earlier service pack, mm -hmm. would that revert the metadata back to that service packs date and time assuming that you were able to in, to go backwards with an update uh yes it would reflect whatever that version's date and time were on and what we're talking about here are like windows system files and folders and it's stuff like a like word that. document or an excel spreadsheet the metadata that's built in when you create a new file that kind of thing or save it right or whatever. right exactly now now that being said i mean doing a windows update does not affect the dates and times in the metadata of a word document or any kind of a user file a picture a music file anything like that those aren't touched that that never comes into question but the system itself shows lots of different metadata from a forensic standpoint when it, when these when these updates occur which most of the time 99.99999% of the time doesn't make a difference any way around it but every now and then something occasionally happens where you have to go oh when did this computer actually come into being when was huh. this computer actually installed when was this computer actually shipped from a manufacturer for instance or something like that so anyways it was something that was really interesting and in dealing with another forensic company, uh, neither one of us at the time knew that this occurred. And it took some research and it was not entirely obvious to, to, to the forensic world in general, as I understood it, and definitely not to general users, that this is what was occurring. I gotta ask, Matt, in academic circles, that's the basis of a paper or a dissertation. Is that something that you're disseminating now uh, informally throughout, <laughs> yeah, throughout, your throughout your community? Because I know you are a member of some message boards among other you know, forensic nerds and such. Yeah. But there, again, that sounds like something that should be ubiquitous knowledge. Yeah. yeah um, again, because of confidentiality, I, I, I can't. <laughs> Can't, uh, I, I can't relate certain aspects that I that I know at this point until this uh, this ongoing case is wrapped up, and then I'll be kind of free to talk more more about what I know about about all this stuff. But yeah, it, it was real eye opening um, because you know you, you, you if you're just a regular user doing regular Windows updates, you never think about this stuff, but sometimes it matters. Wow. Uh, Joey, good call on poking that one. I, I like that a lot. All right. See, see, ladies and gentlemen, my three listeners, we actually do have some substance to the episode. You just have to wait till the end. All right. Um, anyone want to do any updates, uh, personal business or shout outs or uh, progress and uh, anything like that in the workplace? We need to poke Joey to get another topic of choice podcast out. The last. <laughs> yeah. I've been. I, I, 
he's he's right. I had uh, I had some conflicts this week, so the topic of choice podcast will launch another episode next week. Excellent. That we like hearing that, and we like hearing you, <laughs> Rafti. Any updates in safing world? Maybe on the topic of uh, other podcasts, I've been a guest on the Firewall Stone Stop Dragons podcast. And I am actually, I think, the first episode after the one with Bruce Schneier. So I am. Oh, that's a tough act to follow. Those are some big shoes to fill. Yeah, right? (laughs) I know. I know. That's the reason why I told everybody the the episodes currently out of recording has been the 300th. So that's the one with Bruce. Um, And I think I'm 301, maybe 302. I'm not sure. What's the name of it again? Uh, Firewall Stone Stop Dragons. Um, it's a mainly a privacy thing uh, and Mac, Mac and privacy. So the exact opposite of what we are discussing here, at least if I'm not filling in too much privacy information here. Congratulations. <laughs> How do you think it went? Do you think you sounded good or did you sound smart anyway? Oh, this I cannot say. This I cannot say. But what I what I what I can tell you, it was a three hour recording. Um, oh, but I shit. think the podcast episode will only be one hour. And there will be, uh, I think, an absolute, uh, an additional hour for people on the Patreon to listen to. And it has been interesting. Oh, that's um, so lame. I mean, if if you only took 33% of the shit that I said, I'd sound smart, too. That's, that's, <laughs> that's so cheating. That's so cheating. No, okay, um, good. That's great. And and you were talking about maybe getting the, the that guy on our show as a guest, Harry, right? Yeah. No. I he he asked, and if you all are up to it, and I think this might be a teaser for everybody who's listening to the end um, of this episode. Yeah, Kerry, um, he's open to coming on the show, and I think Jeez. now he's officially invited. So I go ahead and ask him. Um, so yeah. Uh, also, maybe an interesting tidbit there. I think episode 298 or something was one of the people from NordVPN, which, of course, is a competitor of ours. And he actually uses Portmaster. Like, he oh, is told, yeah, he <laughs> told on the show that he uses our software. And I just had to laugh so much. Because it's That's like- <laughs> awesome. Good for you, Rafi. Yeah. That's strong, man. What do you got? I ain't got nothing. I've been. No. <laughs> he cannot tell us. Boring. You've got a court order gagging you. Right. That's just lame. The work that I've been doing, I've, I, I can't talk about, unfortunately. But I've been staying busy. So regardless, don't worry about me any. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, very good. Um, thank you all again. Uh, uh, until next week, I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Fiedler. And I'm Joey Police. Catch you again for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy, that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications. Go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com. And that's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P dot com. 
We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel CISSP. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com, and listen to Joey's podcast called Topic Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash ssoi underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience. If you enjoy this podcast, take a listen to The Topic of Choice with host Joey Police, his sidekick Matt, that's me, and lots of interesting guests. Now in its third season, Joey leads open conversations, reviews, and interviews about all kinds of interesting and exciting topics, often with a pop culture take. It's a fun show released weekly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.